Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies. I am Garrett. And I am Carson. And we're here with one of the other most anticipated movies of the summer, at least for us anyways. We had Thor Love and Thunder previous episode, and now we're here with Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, I got them both in July. Yeah, I mean, that Which that's the month, right? It's supposed to carry us through the rest of the year. Yeah. I feel like June is a little, a little bit of a wasteland. It's weird. It's like it goes May... And then June kind of evens out, and they spike back up in July. And then August kind of is the downhill until like we get to award season. So it used to be the first week in June was the major release, you know, movie. Like that's when. Well, I thought least, it was Memorial Day. I thought that's what everybody shot for. Right, which is the last week of May and the sure. first week of June. So you yeah, those. I remember Batman coming out beginning of June, many moons ago. You're talking like Batman '89? <laughs> yeah. Oh my came god! Out my you went way back. Came out my birthday. <laughs> okay. I was cycling through which Batmans you might want to talk about. Or keep what, what, going. Yeah. Keep going back. Good lord. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I think you and I have talked about this one a little bit. I mean, Jordan Peele's one of the few directors out there right now where I feel like he does something, and you're like, okay, I, I feel like it's must see movie, right? I want to see what he does, and I would put. Obviously, Christopher Nolan in there, and I would put uh, Jordan Peele in there. I personally, I would put like Damien Chazelle in there. Um, you know, there's you know those handful of guys like the the used to be Spielberg's. You know, Tarantino's still in there. You know, those guys. I think Jordan Peele's earned that spot. It's a little early, but I think he's earned the spot. Well, I in looking through his filmography, I had thought so too, and then realized <laughs> he only had two movies. Yeah, you but know, that's all it lot, takes sometimes. A, a lot of producer credit, mm-hmm. you know. But you look back at Brian Singer, you know, comes out hot with Usual Suspects, you're like one of the greatest mm-hmm. directors ever, and then makes more movies, and you realize yeah, he's not at all. <laughs> sure. But you also have guys <laughs> like Tarantino who do Reservoir Dogs, there's one. Then you get Pulp Fiction, there's two. And sure. then you, you just start, you know, you keep going. And that's how I feel like Chazelle is, because I got... Uh, what lip whiplash and La La Land and then First Man, so it's like okay, I'm looking forward to these. Mm, okay, you got you got one and a half for me. <laughs> I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there's not a lot of directors that get that, at least from me, where it's like okay, you, I, I'm in for whatever reason I'm in. Um, I think the the more apt comparison to the 90s to Jordan Peele would be Shyamalan. You know, you come out the gate with Sixth Sense, you come out, follow that up with um, Unbreakable, which I know was kind of, you know, some people didn't like it, some people did. I happen to be on the like it side. And then you have Signs. So you're like, oh man, you know, three solid to strong movies. You know, you got the twist. You got me wondering what it is you're going to be doing here. Right. And I think that's what Jordan Peele was. I don't think we knew anything... Before Get Out, besides Key and Peele, you know, who knew that this was the route this guy would go? Um, but we got Get Out, and then, you know, us, there was a lot of intrigue around, and we covered us on the pod. And I think, you know, maybe 
I think the our opinion wasn't that not as good as Get Out, but still, you know, it's that what's he gonna do next kind of thing. And then so you get this trailer for Nope, and you're like, okay, well here we are again. You know, what's this gonna be about? What's he gonna do? I'm gonna be surprised. So for me, there's a, a decent amount of hype coming into it. Yeah, and I think I had expectations also, but uh, thinking back of any directors that. Uh, I don't know that I have a following. I think Tarantino is probably the only one that uh, just saying Tarantino movie and I'm going to go without question. Um, Jordan Peele was um, mm-hmm. before before this movie. And then you, you look at, you know, we'll get into, into this one. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, I feel like J.J. Abrams had that praise coming out of the gates. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know what he had, but it was like, oh, he gets to do star trek and i felt like that was a big thing right okay he did that and then star wars and it started going down the right way um i feel like there's a lot like the russos i'd say i'm i would see movies with the russos but i think i need more than just them like i need actors in it yeah Uh, like we had like gray man we had just watched on netflix that have you know you got gosling and chris evans like Mm -hmm. okay the Though that group, I'm I'm good with. I'm going to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, I don't think there's a director that I'm I'm just sold on anymore. Of yeah, because this, can you say that that Nope ruined my faith in directors? I think that'd be harsh. <laughs> I, I I think I think when it comes to directors, you're always walking a fine line because even the greats produce some duds. I mean, it, it just happens, right? Sure, like. It's impossible to bat a thousand. So when you take a step back and look at somebody's career, like Tarantino would probably get roasted the most for um, Death Proof. I think would be what everybody would say was probably their their lowest one. Maybe some people don't like Jackie Brown. You know, Jackie Brown's but, the other one. Yeah. You know, when you're doing twelve movies and you're ten for twelve, I mean, how many people can do that? Most directors are lucky to go one for twelve or two for twelve. They'd kill to have one Tarantino movie. So I I think it's easy for us to like bag on some of these directors like you know jordan peele you know whatever we think about nope we're like oh is he or is he not that guy still well his three movies are probably still better than most people's one movie so like it's you know so okay you mentioned tarantino and it's it's trying to get into the brain so i i really like his writing mm-hmm. i don't know that i'm a fan of his directing and so, because he he th- he throws those things that he's 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 kind of a weird duck, and he likes you know throwing the seventies kung fu flair and mm-hmm. you know just just some weird stuff throughout his movies that you really do without uh, personally. But I love the stories that he comes up with and and the dialogue that he puts together that I could just do a little bit away from from that sort of thing. Jordan Peele, I think he directs a great movie. I think he has good ideas, mm-hmm. but as far as writing the full movie, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm questioning him. I'm not saying he can't. I'm, I'm just questioning based on the last two. Yeah. Get out, get out. I think we both loved, mm-hmm. um, I'm okay. Beginning to end on that one. Us. We, we did an episode on us where I think the idea was there. Mm-hmm. I, I did not like how it executed because i I feel like he was holding on to his social commentary in that one Mm -hmm. that it ruined the movie just from a trying to fit it in a you know a round peg in a square hole type thing um but then this one i think he kind of had an idea he had an idea but i don't think he knew what he wanted to do with it or at least not in a compelling way yeah i don't think he knew 
what to wrap around the idea. Like he, he, the core idea is there. I just don't know. You know, you have to. You can't take a one sentence idea and just make a movie of that. You have to build around it. And I think the stuff around this concept is where the movie tended to struggle a little bit. Now, I, I, I even have problems with the concept itself a little bit. So I'm even a little bit more harsh, I think, than than that. But um, you have to build intriguing stuff around that main sentence that you have. Uh, and that didn't happen for me in this one. But I mean, just the way that things were shot, I think he's very, very good at. I think if you hand him a script, he's more than capable. So I do think he's in that mm-hmm. regard. If he's not going to screw up a movie <laughs> by making poor choices, you yeah. Know? And so that's that. That's I can I can lean on and say absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I. It's always a question for me sometimes. Like I, in the end, the director gets all the credit and all the blame. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. You're the CEO of the movie. You know, you, you kind of figure that stuff out. But to me, it's interesting because like when I look at some of these movies and I walk away thinking, oh, man, that was shot really well. Like how much of that goes to the cinematographer, right? That's the guy sure. out there getting all the shots, right? Like, I know for a fact Jordan Peele used like a very, very award-winning cinematographer for this. So, I mean, yeah, that's on Peele for getting him. And I'm sure he still had to kind of say what shots are. But the other, the cinematographer is the one that pulls off the shots. And I... I will easily say that everything in Nope looks really great. Um, it's more of the substance that's the problem. The style is fine. Was it not not the same as he had in Us and Get Out? I don't know. I don't know if he used that cinematographer. I feel like I did not did not catch that as much. Um, I'm looking it up right now, but the cinematographer is Hoyt von Hoytema, and uh, <laughs> did movies. Okay. Yeah, Dunkirk, Tenet, Interstellar. Her, Spectre, Nope, The Fighter, Ad Astra. So some good-looking stuff in there. But no, this is the first Jordan Peele one. Looks like he's going to be working with Nolan yet again um, in Nolan's next movie. So lots of Christopher well, Nolan. It, well, so you have the person behind the camera, but it still very felt like the other two Jordan Peele mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the editing room or that's just how he sets it up mm-hmm. or explain how he wants. But that's uh, uh, that I really like about what he does i think he he makes scenes make you feel in scenes how you're supposed to feel yeah yeah he's got i honestly like the best comparison is is to me it's Shyamalan. Shyamalan had that way of shooting movies and putting you in scenes that made you feel tense or made you feel a little bit of it it, it definitely made you feel a certain way now i don't know if it necessarily got there in this movie for me but i could see where it was trying um i think i had hang-ups other than that well and you you mentioned it it lives and dies on the director but nowadays we're seeing the writer producer and director of the same person Mm -hmm. so i mean who who else would you blame well yeah i mean i think inevitably the director gets all the blame right but if the cinematography is bad maybe you should have picked a better cinematographer, right? If the cinematography is really good, I mean, yeah, you get credit for that and the cinematographer gets credit for it. So it's like, I mean, that's how it goes, right? I mean, coaches are no different. CEOs are no different. There's, you know, you take more of the blame than you do the credit sometimes. Well, we've seen in the past uh, just bad scripts. Mm-hmm. And while the director has their hand in it and can change, you know, some of it, there's only so much they can do when you're handed, you know, a terrible script. Right. You know, and so there's this, the script falls 
on him also. Yeah. So, you know, and so it's a, uh, when you have all and the producer credits. And so when he's like, mm-hmm. no one's telling you, well, no, you can't do this really. You know, I'm sure there's some red tape somewhere along the way, but, but essentially you kind of get your way when you have all three. Right. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let me get to the blurb. Let me get to the cast and stuff and then we'll uh, get going. Residents in a lonely gulch of inland California bear witness to an uncanny chilling discovery. That's all we got, which is kind of what I like. Directed by Jordan Peele, who also did Get Out and Us. Cast, Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yen, Brandon Perea, Michael Wincott, and good old Keith David. Who doesn't like a good Keith David sighting? I, I enjoy Keith David. I always think of uh, Goliath from Gargoyles. Yeah. That was uh, my first exposure to him. I either think of, uh, I mean, Men at Work is one of the first ones that comes into my mind, or <laughs> or They Live. One of those they two live. is usually yeah. one of those two, so... Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. But before we dive too far in, I just want to give credit to our sponsor this week, uh, the Exit Room in Lee Summit. Hey, guys. As we all start to return to normal after two years of absolute craziness, I've got an idea for something a little different for you to do with your friends and family. Something that gets you out of the house, interacting with actual human beings, and back into the world. We're proud to introduce you to the Exit Room. Go check out this incredible escape room business located in historic downtown Lee Summit, Missouri. The Exit Room is a family-owned, five-star rated, one-of-a-kind escape room experience that has been entertaining the KC metro area for nearly seven years now. They have five uniquely designed escape room adventures guaranteed to challenge, amuse, and even amaze you. Gather your party and come check out their friendly staff, their amazing decor, and contagious energy as you solve puzzles, riddles, and unravel mysteries. But hurry, the exit room is retiring two of their rooms very soon and replacing them with new adventures. Use promo code 2VIEWS at checkout for a 20% discount. That's the numeral 2 and the word VIEW, no spaces. The exit room. Unplug. Interact. Escape. All right, so spoiler free. Where do you want to start? Uh, spoiler free, I want to start with uh, the acting, which I don't think that there is anyone out there that did poorly, um, but I was a big fan of Kiki, and I have never seen her before. Mm-hmm. And I say that. I've seen Hustlers. I don't remember her in Hustlers, so I don't, I don't think she had a very big... Uh, big part in mm-hmm. that or at least not one that stood out uh but i i really enjoyed her on this and i think we're going to see a lot more of her because of this mm. i i would actually disagree with you on that one i can't say disagree it's your opinion that you liked her i i, <laughs> I would say i'm on the other side of that coin i i didn't mind her at first but she was almost like too eccentric in every scene and i don't think that's acting i think that's the character that he created the character that he wanted but it always felt to me like she was trying to be the show in every scene and it just felt like her character was always at 11, never really came down off of that. So it just felt like it was just, okay, I get it. You're really eccentric. You're, you're the loud sister, all that kind of stuff. Now, again, I'm, I'm actually not faulting her act, her acting for that. I'm faulting the writing because as much as she was like that, Kaluuya was just the same but opposite. So he was just very quiet and stoic and that's all he was. He never broke out of that shell. So it was always just, 
and I'm sure he's trying to play the opposites, you know, the brother, the sister, they, their dad treated them differently, that whole kind of stuff. But to me, one of the flaws in this movie is I didn't really get engaged with any of the characters. I like Kaluuya. I, I think he did a good job at acting the way he was supposed to. I just felt like Jordan Peele didn't write those characters to really get me bought into everything. So, and I haven't revisited anything since we've seen Nope, but, and I generally like Kulia and what he, what I remember him in, but I don't feel like he moves very much as far as emotions. Uh, I'm trying to think of in Get Out, uh, outside the scene of him in the sunken place is the mm-hmm. only thing that uh, I feel like he's pretty level across the board. Uh, definitely in this, in this he was a level at a low level. Uh, and it was kind of the same. And I think that's maybe why she stuck out to me because she was yeah. that much uh, contrast. And mm-hmm. I was, I was more drawn to that than him just kind of going through the motions. Right. And then that's what I, that's what I felt uh, that he was doing that. And I was trying to, think back and i don't know that he has a real dynamic role i felt like he was um a little bit more dynamic in judas and the black messiah because he was trying to you know he had to go give like some fiery speeches and um you know that kind of stuff see and we saw that and i liked him in it because i Mm -hmm. remember us doing the episode on it but i don't remember him again giving that powerful Emotion, I guess. It yeah. Was... I mean, he definitely did in those scenes. But yeah, if you look through the rest of his filmography, he tends to be the more quiet character. I mean, in Black Panther, he's not very outgoing. Sicario, he's pretty chill. Same with Queen and Slim, you know. So yeah, I mean, I would say his acting type tends to be the more dramatic, concerted, not very bombastic kind of thing. Like he's going to be the not, I don't want to say brooding because I don't, I don't really ever think he's like gothically dark or anything like that. I think he just, he communicates a lot non-verbally and with his eyes and stuff, as opposed to, you know, needing to go yell it everywhere. I feel like he's cast in these dramatic roles, but like a action star acts in their movies. Uh, they're not supposed to to move much. They're supposed to kind of go through and be kind of the same throughout. Well, well, he's doing it in these in these other movies, which is throwing me off. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, um, don't say that I'm <laughs> putting these two on the same level because I'm not. Like Jason Statham mm-hmm. doesn't move up and down with his acting. Sure, it's it's the same tone level throughout. And right, that's kind of what's expected in those types of movies. Which I I, I feel like. We have so many actors these days that we say that about. So maybe that speaks, it either speaks to like how movies are made or how movies are cast, or it speaks to people just get pigeonholed. Because how many times have we said like Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt or Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds, right? So is is that a nature of the projects they select or is that a nature of, so like when people are thinking of a a more somber, serious role, they're going to pick a Kaluuya because like that's what they've seen him do and that's what they want him to do. And then oftentimes when people deviate, it's a double-edged sword because when they, when they deviate from those roles, you're like, well, pff, Ryan Reynolds is trying to be serious this time. So like, I don't right. know how I feel about that. But then you're also like, well, Ryan Reynolds is the same smart ass in every movie. So I kind of, I feel like more and more these days we get 
actors that stay in their lanes a lot. And I, I don't know why that is. Well, and we just got after Chris Pratt for doing the same thing of, hey, we want you don't take away the funny Chris Pratt. Right, you know? exactly. If you, if you cast Chris Pratt, let him be Chris Pratt. Right. You know, and so uh, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and, I, and I don't like the other Chris Pratt. I like the Chris Pratt that mm -hmm. I know. And you could say that same with Ryan Reynolds is I just, I don't take this guy seriously. Right. He's, he's Van Wilder. Right. You know? So like if we saw a Kaluuya movie and he is very like bombastic and very eccentric and up and down doing something like what Kiki did in this movie. I mean, are we just going to be like, uh, go back to, go back See, to I the Kaluuya that I like. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't even, I can't even picture him doing that. Cause I don't think I have any, any scenes in my brain of him going outside his norms. So yeah. I, and, and, and that's, and maybe that's his choice. Maybe mm -hmm. that's their choice. I don't know, but I'm, I'm forcefully trying to think of him doing something like uh, if those were, mm -hmm. those roles were sort of reversed. Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, I, I think the problem with Jordan Peele and one of my central problems with this movie is that you kind of, there, there's just questions, right? So get out, we didn't know, so we'll throw that one off the table. But Us presents a question. You're, you're, you're interested in like, what exactly is going on? I'm just getting enough from the trailer. I don't have the answers. I can't even really piece it together. Same with this movie you know you, you see the trailer you're like okay what is this about i can kind of piece together it's something with sci-fi it's something alienish but basically he's posing the question out there and letting you kind of run wild with it so i i feel like with these kinds of movies you just you you can almost build up the hype so much about god i wonder what the answer is i wonder i mean the answer i'm so excited to get the answer i hope it blows me away and then for me in this case the answer just I don't know. As soon as the answer became apparent to me, I was like, oh, okay, well, that that's fine. So then that's my mood in the movie, right? And then if everything else is sort of like the characters aren't really dynamic, it's it's feeling like it's a little slow at times, then you're just like, oh, okay, so I've, I've got my answer now. How are they really going to play it out? Can they really save it from here? And then I was just kind of like ho-hum the rest of the movie. And I think the, the challenge is when you're that kind of director who's building so much off of just one answer to one question you got to nail it and to me this one didn't nail it i, I don't know why but well it's, it's funny you said that because the first trailer of this left you with a lot of those questions mm -hmm. of something's happening we we get like you said the sci-fi feel and then we saw the second trailer that was before black phone mm -hmm. um and it told way too much it told the entire story of what it is you know what the what this thing is don't look at it it says all this in the trailer i didn't you know, see like, i i didn't overly pay attention to the second trailer but i didn't i the question the answer to the question wasn't there for me in that trailer i didn't know that no I, it gave you all the way up and until really what it is you know and even kind of the things that they're going to discover it like it's like this is um you don't you don't want that you know and yeah. i wonder why they decided to do that other trailer because they didn't do that with us you know right. they, they left you with that one amazing which i think is still the best one of the best trailers i've ever seen mm -hmm. in my life with, with the sound and so creepy and, and it got you uh but that did set my expectations very very high for us of this is gonna be the best movie i've ever seen <laughs> um, and so unfortunately you know it, they did too good they did too good of a job trailer guy um this one uh I was really excited and then brought me down to, I hope it's good and not cheesy. And then the actual movie was somewhere in the middle. 
which is weird. I so. never expected cheesy, but I can see how you got there. The the thing that bothered me the most about the second trailer was it was just so tonally different than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the music that they chose, the way that it was cut, the scenes that they chose, it just felt like... I, I know I asked you this before the movie, and I don't think either one of us thought about it too much, but I'm not... I can't think of the last time I felt like I saw two trailers for the same movie that felt so drastically different in tone. And I much, much preferred the first one. And everybody that I've talked to about this movie all had the same comments. And this was before seeing the movie. They were all like, I didn't like that second trailer. That that was no good. Um, and they right. weren't even commenting on it, like giving away too much or anything like that. I Like I said, I, I think I was kind of purposely just trying to maybe block some things out because I don't like to watch trailers anymore. So maybe that's why I didn't just pick up on anything. I didn't try to like piece it all together, but the tone is what was totally different for me, man. I was just like, what, what is this supposed to be now? Because I was thinking signs ish and stuff like that. And now I, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. So I agree with you. The second trailer really kind of jarred my expectations a little bit. Yeah, and again, it ended up landing somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you watch the first one expecting that, don't. If you watch the second one expecting that, don't. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, a sort of a course correction, almost too much. But, um, but overall, I don't know that I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. I once, especially once we got where we were going, mm-hmm. which um, it seemed like it took us a long way to get there. It did. Uh, and then once we got there, it's like, uh, okay. That's my exact uh, feeling. Um, we, we've talked about this before. I know I sound like a broken record, but you tell me in the trailer that there's, I mean, you, you've shown me some kind of ship or something. I, I'm very, it's very clear. This is about UFOs or whatever that that's not a spoiler that's in the trailer. So why does it take me 45 minutes before I'm like really into this thing? And Again, I don't know whether it's because I'm older, I've seen too many movies, I'm impatient, but if I ever make a movie, whatever the trailer like focuses on, that better be happening in like the first 10 to 15 minutes. Like we we've got to get going. Because <laughs> yeah, you're just waiting for that to happen. Right. You know, and nothing and, else can happen until you get to that point. Yeah, and you yeah. yeah, you almost don't care, right? You almost or just like, okay, I'll start caring when we get to the good stuff. Because I I know that there's stuff they might set up and that there might be characters and there's going to be themes you're going to play with. But I don't want necessarily characters and themes for the first 45 minutes. Get me into it. Then you can kind of build up some stuff and then let's keep the momentum going. But man, I don't know. I, I checked my watch several times. I'm like, dude, we are like 45 minutes into this and we're not even at the crux of what I think we, we should be yet. And I'm not even talking about like, I want to be in Act Two by forty-five minutes. I'm saying like, let's get going with Act One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, yeah, I, yeah. I, like, are we out of the blocks on Act One, or where are we here? Yeah, yeah. and I, the uh, the funny thing about what you're saying is they introduced a a subplot that I found far more interesting than what we ended up getting with the main plot. I'm going to talk about more in the in the spoilers, but I wanted to know more about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why, why is that all happening? You know, yeah. that, that's kind of cool over there, mm-hmm. you know? And then, then you bring us back to the main one. I'm like, I don't care about this one so much anymore because <laughs> right. I think that was a really cool idea over there. Yeah. I, I will say, I think I know where you're going. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but that, that subplot to me felt like it was a second idea. That, didn't know where to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it almost feels like, 
you're writing down ideas for potential movies you're kind of toying with like oh can i combine these two into something can i find something here that that will you know i can play with here and get them both in in this movie because i don't know that this one is its own movie so let's just sneak it in and i i can see some parallels and some themes that were there but i don't know if it was strong enough to really include it in this movie yeah, you got a big big whiteboard of ideas and mm-hmm. are these themes sort of similar? <laughs> yep. Okay, right. we'll we'll use both of these over here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think for this uh, when I left the movie I was between a 2 and a half and a 3, and the more I thought about it, the more I I I liked the acting, I liked the visuals, I liked the concepts that it posed, but you know, inevitably it fell short of the hype for me. Um it didn't really have a lot of impact. The, the core answer to that main question that's posed was just kind of okay. But when I like round that all out and I stack Nope up against, you know, everything else that we watch these days, I'm, I'm at a three. I think that's a fair statement. Well, and you, you have to, if you put it in the category of sci-fi or even a worse category of horror, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's better than, than that, that whole group of, yeah. of movies. And so if that's what we're comparing it to, which that's how I do my ratings is in, in genre. Um, I had the same issues that you did. Right. Uh, it was a, did I really enjoy myself? I'm going to say, I, I don't think I did, mm-hmm. uh, but is it a very competent movie? Yes. Uh, I did enjoy the acting um, and I thought it was shot well. Yeah. So that's, so it was an above average experience. So, I feel like that was uh, that warranted a three. If I watch it again, um, I could very easily, it could easily be a two and a half, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't argue with anybody that that goes down to two and a half. I would love to know. There's no way we can actually proceed with this thought experiment, but I would love to know what we would have thought about this movie had it not been Jordan Peele. I I agree. I do think expectations were too high. Yeah. I mean, I, I I expect more out of what he does. Yeah, I don't think I would have loved it, but maybe I would have felt a little bit less let down had it not been Jordan Peele. Like, if he had taken a, a ghostwriter name, you know, like a pseudonym or something, and just put it out there, and <laughs> like, oh, hey, who's this new director? Oh, okay, well, yeah, this was pretty solid for a first go around. You know, I'm I'm between a three and a half and four, but then yeah, when you layer in the Jordan Peele hype and. You just, you know, you want to know what's going to happen. You expect to be kind of blown away. Then when you get something that you're just like, eh, like I just wonder how much further down we are because of that hype. But that's also why we we went and why we pinned it on the calendar so long ago was his name attached to it. Yeah. You know, and so would we have seen that trailer and say, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know that that's, that that would have, I mean, we would have gone because we had tickets, but (laughs) um, I, I don't know that we would have said, you know, block off this week. That's, that's for sure. The movie we're going to cover. Right. I agree. So, all right, let's get to some spoilers. All right, let's do it. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. All right. You want to start with that subplot you were talking about? Yeah, I thought the most interesting part of this movie was the subplot with the chimpanzee murdering people mm-hmm. on stage. Yep, uh, it's it, it leads you to believe that you know, which you finally get to is um, that just some animals can't be tamed. You know, like that's that's kind of what what it gets to. But the whole time 
you're watching it, it's what's causing this to happen, mm-hmm. opposed to just balloons popping. Right. You know, and that, that's kind of a letdown. Of if you're you're wanting something more behind this chimpanzee just beating this this mom and and dad to death Mm -hmm. and ripping this girl's face off Mm -hmm. and you know you're seeing these layers throughout the movie and like something something has to be more than just oh you don't want to train chimps and have them around people anymore yep i agree with you i i feel like the 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 dots he's trying to connect there are yeah you know animal training can go bad you can't always tame animals there's that aspect and i think there's also some aspect of it that's like the popularity of steven yen's character around that incident that that happened it became so popular i think there's some commentary there on like you know violence being you know broadcast on tv or because then like steven yen tries to do it with a horse right you know he's trying to draw attention to it and be a spectacle like violence is a spectacle and then even um you know, Daniel Kaluuya and them, they're trying to record the UFO that they're trying to get. So it's like everything that is like almost like a voyeuristic theme, like everything needs to be watched by whoever. But to me, those themes just that I mean, okay, they're fine. Like I get it. I understand it, but it doesn't resonate in the movie itself. You know what I'm saying? It's more about like us talking about it afterwards than it is impactful to any characters or any events in the movie. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, I, I agree what you're saying. And I, and I think part of the challenge there is, again, I, I keep coming back to Shyamalan, but Shyamalan does that a lot, right? Like in Sixth Sense, he would be, you know, flashing back a little bit. Or in Signs, the, the almost direct parallel to this movie, if we're picking one, right? You know, he's got these scenes of Mel Gibson's past and his family's past. And you're not just seeing them to see them. There's there's reason why he's laying that out for you, and then he brings it all home in the end and starts to show you why. For this subplot, there's none of that. I mean, it's it it never comes back in that way, right? Well, I think he just it more drive home the point of you shouldn't try to tame this thing in the sky. I yes, guess. like but, is, that, is, that, is that really the the why we we did this whole aside and right? But uh, again, to me, uh, that that's more of like. For the audience, it, it that that lesson has nothing to really do with Daniel Kaluuya or the guy uh-huh. from Fries or anything like that. Whereas in Signs, what comes full circle is directly impactful to Mel Gibson's character and right. his family. So I, I feel like that was you're, – you're right. It was a very cool subplot, and I kept wondering how it connected, and I didn't expect it to connect in that way. And to me, that, that fell flat. And I will say – the one thing that threw me off about that, I don't know if this did this to you, but that damn shoe sitting up upright, <laughs> they kept, right. they kept showing it. And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, I've never seen a shoe stand upright like that. So like, I mean, I'll be, I'll openly admit this. I was like, are, are they on a spaceship? Like what, what is happening with this shoe? And they kept showing it. So I kept thinking like, okay, something's going to be coming back with this shoe, but no, it didn't. Yeah. And, and I couldn't place, is he remembering it? Like, are we watching his memory? But it didn't really fit in that regard because he wasn't always in the no uh, in the scene because the shoe obviously was in his little case, trophy case. Is that why um, it sat like that? It, it did in his trophy case. Right. So that's why I was trying to think, are we watching just his memory of it? And that's well, one why? time it was because they, they did the playback. I think it was at the fist bump scene. And then it, it was him like daydreaming at his desk and then his wife comes in. It's right before they do the show okay. for the ship to come in but yeah it, it was weird 
Yeah. It was weird. And I loved the way they shot that entire scene every time that they came back to it, when they teased it at the beginning, mm-hmm. when they came back to it. Everything with the chimp was, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Him under the table, you can just feel, don't look at me. Yeah. You know, don't come at me. I mean, you know who's going to be fine since obviously he's remembering. But that, which would have been a, a really cool intro, mm-hmm. I think, uh, where you don't know this kid's going to get killed or not. Right. You know, so you, you kind of have it as an it before you know that he's obviously an adult. And yeah, um, I feel like that could have added a little bit more dread because I felt like, oh, my God, that's that <laughs> he's just trying to be quiet and not right. let the, the chim know he's there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the best shot scenes is in that subplot. And it's it's when the camera starts backstage. I think you already know right. that the chimp has done some stuff, but like it's weaving like through the little fake trees and you see a couple mm-hmm. of sets on TV. You see like a body up in the audience and you're like, what in the hell is going on? And that, that was really well done. I would argue that's probably more well done than almost anything else in the, in the movie as far as like dread goes. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so compelling. And yeah. then why, when it's basically for, for nothing, uh, that's disappointing. And I yeah. think that's, that's kind of where the letdown is. Um, and I want, you just wonder if he has this plot of this thing in the sky and doesn't have enough pages, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't have enough movie here. So what else can can I fill in here and maybe tie it together? And I think I, I truly feel like that's how it ended up being. Right. I was along for the ride during the movie, but then at the end it's like, that was nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it explains why Steven Yen does what he does, right? The fact that he would, try to capture a horse and try to get the ship to come down and take the horse for everybody to see because his notoriety is all built on like the spectacle of this chimp going nuts. And now that he sees this other thing that he could maybe potentially, you know, lure in and have it kill horses in front of people and stuff. And he could get his notoriety again. So I, I see that, but, but even that, that plot line, even if we extend it from the chimp scene into you know, Steven Yen trying to get the ship to come down and kill the horse, like that still doesn't really have a whole lot to do with like our main characters, which is Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki, right? right? Like it's still kind of at arm's length, but I think that's where I think you and I are both feeling like there was two ideas here and we just tried to mesh them up because we didn't have enough of a movie to make one whole movie of each of them. And, and this is probably on me. Um, if I watch it again, I'm sure it, it doesn't, do this but i had a problem with time mm-hmm. of looking back it's like okay he's been buying the horses to sacrifice to this thing but how long and it seems like he's been doing it for a long time but he they just recently saw that at their ranch uh, and i know his dad is in a coma and it said like two months later or three weeks later and mm-hmm. I, I don't know he's like i want to buy the horses back and obviously the horses are all dead mm-hmm. you know and and i was like wait I missed some some time. He's been doing his thing on this this show for longer than I realized that he's been selling horses. Yeah, and so that's and that's probably me as as a viewer that I missed some some of those things, but it didn't all connect until the end when he was feeding horses, and I remembered him saying, "Oh yeah, buying them back." You know, kind of gave him that. That's not going to happen, right? Yep. Um, okay, so. The the big answer to the question of what this all is ends up being that the ship is not a ship. The UFO is not a UFO. The ship is the alien. So when we're seeing this saucer in the sky and it's sucking up people, it's not 
abducting people for the little green men inside the ship to do experiments on. It's it's eating them for so for all intents and purposes, this is a monster movie. It's right. just the monster flies in the sky, hides in a cloud, comes down, scoops things up, eats it, spits out the junk that it can't do. So it's it's a new take on aliens. We've never seen something like this right in the sky. I, I wish they would have tied it in a little bit more to the fact that all the different types of UFOs that people have seen, right? Like, so it obviously looks like a saucer, but then, you know, in the end when it expands and goes all like fabricy looking, like it kind of looks like a weather balloon, which, you know, that's always one of the infamous things that people allege the government says it's just a weather balloon. So I I wish they would have tied that in a little bit more because that, that would have made a lot of sense. But I think, would you have wanted a crop circle? Uh, well not in the middle of the desert. No. Um, but I, I didn't need that. I just thought like it would have been a nice thing to just like hit home a little bit more about that stuff. But I, I think the problem for me is just that, and there's, this is honestly to no fault of Jordan Peele's because this is just a coin flip. It's a personal taste thing. But like that answer to the question of what this thing is, just for me was like, eh, okay. I mean, fine. That's kind of an original idea that it's not ships, it's not spaceships, it's not travelers. It's it's an alien, but the whole thing is an alien. Like, fine, that's good. But like, just for me, I was just like, okay, I guess that's what we're going with. I, you know, again, maybe that's a byproduct of the hype. But I just, I don't know. I was just like, whatever. Okay. Do you think any of it had to do with the design of the ship? I mean, I know you're trying to keep it saucer-like. Um, to me, it didn't look cool, and and the thing that it turned into. You know the big butterfly, mm-hmm. whatever. I was like, "What? Why?" I, I I didn't see a a reason why that thing would do that right. in my brain. You know, <laughs> and so I'm like, "I is it? Yeah, is it kind of like a puffer fish? Is it puffing up for for an attack of some well, sort?" Like, I didn't know why why it would do that. I didn't either. So, but to be honest, I mean, for what ninety percent of the movie, it's just a saucer. Right, right. It, it's the traditional 1950s disc-shaped UFO. So, like, the fact that it kind of went nuts at the end, it was just like, you know, whatever. I, I did, I did have kind of a sense of what it might be before they gave it away because they they showed a shot from inside of it, like before it had eaten anything, and it it just kind of looked like, honestly, it looked like when they shoot something from inside of Jaws's mouth, it looked like that's what it was. Like, oh, is this thing eating people? And then so then they admitted yet yeah, later, yes, it is. Well, you, you mentioned the elephant in the room, Jaws, mm-hmm. which is essentially what this movie is. Mm-hmm. It's Jaws in the sky. So instead of underwater, we're now, we've done on land and tremors, <laughs> and we've done underwater with Jaws, and let's do some in the air. Yeah. And that that's that's what this was. But let I mean, significantly worse. A, a, wor- a worse Jaws. I just want to make that clear. Like, Jaws okay. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think you and it was funny. You and I both walked out, and I said that to my wife, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" And then you were like, "I had the same exact thought." I'm like, "Yeah, it's not like it's more of just the way that it's presented. Um, you know, that it's a monster movie, and there's just some really interesting ties to Jaws. Like whenever the flags were hanging from it, I think of Jaws taking the buoys down. Yeah, so yep. like there's just things where I felt like. You're not going to get a one-to-one comparison. You can't go watch Jaws and then come back and watch this and be like, "Oh, they're exactly the same." No, it, it's it's the it's the things at its core. It's that monster movie feel. Um, there's just some shots in there that are kind of similar, but I guess the best way I could describe it is it almost feels like Jordan Peele watched Jaws and then said, "I want to do something like that." 
and then tried to build some ideas around that framework. Like, this is my Jaws. Like, I'm not trying to do Jaws, but this is my take on it. And that's what I think this is. And I might, I'm picturing in us the son wearing a Jaws shirt. Yeah, he does. I'm pretty sure at okay. the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we know Peel's obviously a fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, uh, how, well, how could you not be? Right. But, exactly. Yeah. But it's a, and so I got first, I got Tremors vibes mm-hmm. and I thought, that's just the terrain that's the the mm-hmm. desert and yeah. so then and then there I, I don't remember the exact moment but i'm like well this is actually feels more like jaws than i go well tremors is basically right. a ripoff of jaws in the desert yeah you know and so it's uh uh like yeah i got then you said that right after i'm like yeah that's absolutely what i was feeling i will say kind of coming back to the the whole ship is alive while we're on that i thought that Jordan Peele's character, nope, Daniel Kaluuya's character, got to that conclusion way too easily and way too quickly. Not only that it was alive, maybe if you could, if I buy that, but the definitely the, oh, don't look at it and it won't eat you. Right. Like, you are putting a lot of stock <laughs> in. You just happened to look away and it didn't eat you. Yeah. And to, to that's the solution to the problem. Like, that... That is some some leaps of logic. Yeah, I, I agree on on both of those. I just remember, I just remember him saying like, "It's not acting like a ship," or yeah, something. It doesn't like move that. like a ship. Yeah, yeah. It, but then, so that was even kind of a weird comment to me at the time because I was like, "What? It, no, it it looks and acts exactly like a ship. What are you talking about?" And then okay. the the leap from that to then, yeah, like okay, we know it's eating people and it's a predator and you can't like that way. <laughs> there's just like two leaps in a row to move the story along that I just felt like perhaps there would have been a better way to understand that, uh, like in the movie, not for me, but like for the character, Daniel Kaluuya to get to that point, to understand that's what's happening. Like I can understand it after the house, like after it dumps all the blood and guts and stuff on right. the house, like then it's you're like, perfect oh, time, yeah. it's eating people. But like, why did you even need Kaluuya to get to that point before that? I, I guess was, when I rewatch it, that's going to be something I think of. Why Why is it necessary for him to know before that? And then I'm going to go right back on, on that part of it doesn't even need you to look away from it for this movie to act like it is. Mm-hmm. Like, that adds nothing. That actually, I think, detracts from the movie. I dislike it more if it doesn't attack you if you don't look at it. Mm-hmm. That's... Does any predator on Earth right. act that way? Yeah. I know it's not from Earth, but that's it's not like you're making this connection with, oh, it works like a lion. And so if you don't mm-hmm. look at a lion, lion's not going to eat you. That's that, There's nothing that acts that way. So why right. would you assume that? And then why would you make this creature that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Now, him staring him down at the end, staring him, staring the creature down at the end, maybe I could get on board with that part mm-hmm. of he decides to look the creature in the eye and show them he's boss. If that's what happened. Right. You know, that he's not afraid of them that I can still get, even without the knowing that he's not going to eat you if you don't look at him. Right. Like that's, that that's weird to me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think it detracts from the movie. Cause one, cause they, they build their whole attack plan around that th- flawed theory. Right. Um, yeah, that's. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that that reminds me of the other thing that that really hammered home the jaws point was the way they kill it, right? They basically it they get it to swallow a big giant balloon and the balloon 
blows up and kills him. I was like, oh, right. that's just like the tank in Jaws that they shoot. Well, <laughs> and they brought in Quinn, you know, and Quinn, you know, basically dies to the to Jaws. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you, you bring in the... I, I, I was hoping that they would like... Because that was really bizarre to me that he would like just let himself get eaten. I, I, I thought maybe they would bring it full circle by like... Because the thing spits out like mechanical objects, so I thought he was wanting like the perfect shot of being eaten. I thought the exact same thing that the camera was going to come out and yeah. you're going to have that footage that nobody else ever had because right he that's why he gave himself up was for the perfect shot right because and the, I, I guess the one thing we haven't talked about is the fact that like this all revolves around like they're not really trying to destroy the ship at first they're just trying to get it on camera so that they can become rich. So they set up all these cameras. They're trying to do that. And then in the end, the sister gets one shot of it up in the sky. And it honestly looks like a bunch of fabric just floating in the sky. And mm-hmm. like when they when they zoomed out, it's a really good shot, uh, and show the big flowing alien. I mean, it, it seems like it's taking up like two miles of sky or something like that. So like people from... <laughs> everybody would see it. <laughs> yeah, everybody would see it. And there's a news crew at Stephen Yen's amusement park. So like... The, the whole thing was for them to get this shot. And yes, she got her one picture of it, but like, I have to assume that so did like 50,000 other people. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, to your point, that would have been what would have been great is to see like their million dollar shot, the Oprah shot that they kept calling it was actually not just a random, here's a third party thing, but it's, it's the movie. They have film footage of being eaten and what it all looked like and everything. Uh, one step further, the body landed somewhere. What Who do you cares mean? what it looks like in the air? It, oh, yeah. It would have drifted down to the ground. Right. And you actually have the alien, right. you know? And so so what that you took a picture of it in the right. sky? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's dead. You have it. It's right here. Yeah. Like, that's the person. And maybe if it landed on their land and they could whatever, but it right. drifted, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, not, I mean, this is riddled with problems, but there's some great scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. and I just... Uh, so you hate to take away as a whole. Yeah. Um, and you want it, you want to have those people like Jordan Peele to look forward to. I, I really want him to be successful. Mm-hmm. I really want to know that it's a, it's a gimme that it's going to be up for one of my favorite movies of the year. Every time he puts something out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we still have to give him credit. And I think we both do like, he's trying, right? Like he had his concept, he had his idea He's trying to do something unique. I mean, to your point, you know, yeah, it might be kind of related to Jaws, but, you know, he somehow roped in UFOs into it too. Was it a bullseye? No, but I still give him credit for at least trying and not making, you know, us too or get out too, right? Like he's still trying to put forth original ideas. You can see some of the brilliance still in there, even if it was still only a three-star movie. I still feel like I'm going to look forward to his next one because – Agreed. I don't think he's quite reached Shyamalan post village territory yet, where you're just like, okay, now you've. I I think I've had my fill. You know, I'll I'll let other people go see some stuff, and then finally, (laughs) when I hear that Split is pretty good, I'll come back around to you or something like that. So, I definitely feel like I still look forward to him because I just feel like there's so much of a lack of originality in movies these days that at least he's trying. What's funny that you say it's a it's originality in this movie because I don't know that that's there. Other than 
I think it, but but it's like it, it's almost like the way things are assembled. Because even if you look at Tarantino, like that guy robs and steals from everybody, but the way sure. he assembles it puts his own flavor on it and puts his own spin on it. And then it starts to feel uniquely Tarantino. And I think that's what Jordan Peele does is that in this case, like, yeah, I don't, I think we could pick in part like we have like, Oh, this was like Jaws or this was like Tremors or we've kind of seen this before. But when you combine it all together with the subplot of the monkey stuff, with the way things are shot, you still get like this uniquely Jordan Peele kind of feel to this thing. It's an ape, not a monkey. Yeah, it should. Yeah. It's a chimp. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, no, I, I agree, and, and like I said, I'm I'm still looking forward to whatever he does next. Yeah. I wish he would put out something a little bit sooner. Uh, I gave him credit for Candyman, which I shouldn't have. He's just a producer of mm-hmm. that, but that's what got me there. Yeah, and I was thinking, oh, Jordan Peele Candyman, and then <laughs> I think we may have even been going to the theater and I realized he didn't even he didn't even direct it. Right, you know. But uh, uh, you slap his name on, I'm gonna see it. He's got he's got a few more uh, a few more bullets before he's out i agree i agree all right well that's nope um we're not having much luck lately i feel like uh i mean top gun lived up to its its billing i i think top gun exceeded its billing yeah i think top gun uh still is my favorite movie of the year Uh, and i just and i think it's so universally liked that i don't see another movie coming along that i can see that I've seen a trailer for or even a release date for that's going to compete with just the success of what Top Gun's yeah, done. I agree. Um, but Thor, Love and Thunder, I think we were both a little bit let down. Nope. I think we're both a little bit let down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm above average excited for our next movie, Bullet Train. Um, you know, it has potential. You know, I, I, I'm not a hard guy to please. If you give me some well choreographed fight scenes, I will forgive a lot of stuff. And this seems to have some well choreographed fight scenes. So, uh, and it's hard to argue with Brad Pitt. Yeah, I like Brad Pitt. Who doesn't? I mean, the guy's got the guy can do it all. He could he could be a John Wick. He can be a funny guy. He can be a World War II Nazi hunter. Right? Like the, the guy's pretty all over dynamic. If we're talking about Kaluuya being a one act show, I think Brad Pitt's a good. What? Opposite, opposite to that. Yes, thank you. Um, so we've got. You were going something like antithesis, or something. I don't know where I was going. I'm saying, I, you know, my my brain the sorest word. <laughs> yeah, my brain short circuited. But so we got we got bullet train coming in August, and then we're also I think going to give a shot at uh, prey, um, the 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 predator prequel, but not a prequel to all of them because some of them were like thousands of years ago. I don't really remember where we're at in the predator timeline, but we got a new predator movie in August that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, a Hulu original. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Predators just to revisit it. With uh, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Yeah. And uh, Keegan-Michael Key. So like the, you know, key and, the he key of Key that, and Peele. Yeah. I will okay. never watch The Predator ever again. I will watch. I almost want to because that was so bad. It can't possibly be as bad as I'm remembering it. I think it can. I really think you can. <laughs> so well, we did get free predator glasses. We did. The, I still uh, have opening mine. day. I still have. How bizarre was that? Like of all movies to give stuff to away get... for, B and B decided to give away pint glasses for the predator. <laughs> I mean, maybe I kind of understand it now because maybe the studio bought all these pint glasses and they realized the movie was absolutely terrible. Like, just ship them out. Like, just get rid of all the inventory. 
Yep. If anybody's going to yeah. go see it, give, give it them to, to them. the theaters for 25 <laughs> cents on the dollar. Just get them out of here. <laughs> All right, so that's what our August looks like, but uh, that's it for our Nope episode. Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. You can find me at at Two Views Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Two Views Movies. And you can always email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen, we are there. And as I just mentioned, we'll be back in August with our two episodes. First, Bullet Train, then we'll be talking Prey. We'll catch you then. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both!